0: This week's podcast brought to you by viewers like you.
1: theme of Deck the Halls, by the way, was not by me. I wish I could claim credit for that. That was by our 11-year-old who authorized me to put it on the podcast. She did authorize? She absolutely authorized. In fact, she wanted a—she played Old Christmas Tree. She played a couple of things, but she thought this was best. And I like that she plays a fast, kind of angry uh, Deck the Halls, pounding those keys like that.
0: I don't—I wouldn't say it's angry. I would say it's fast and enthusiastic. It's, 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 I don't very want an angry uh, deck the halls. And did you have her sign a form and have an adult, um, a guardian, parent or guardian sign as well?
1: Oh, but I, I was contacted by, by ASCAP so that she can collect fees for every time this, this is downloaded. Um, this is going to be our all viewer mail extravaganza. And we are, the viewer mail is voluminous. It's, it's the, the, um, Sort of the lint trap. It's been building up in the lint trap. It's kind of like a, an unsnaked shower drain, this viewer mail.
0: An unsnaked shower drain. Yeah. And as we go through the viewer mail, we are going to be snaking it.
1: Let's, let's snake the drain. Let's yes. Snake but, but, the drain. Bef- but first. Before we snake the drain?
0: I want to give everyone the, the, a gift for the holidays.
1: Not a gif or a gif.
0: No, a gift. And this is my gift to you the the viewers and listeners of the ball and chain podcast if the gas light comes on in your car even if in the past when the gas light comes on you can still travel 20 22 miles 10 miles say find the closest gas station and fill up the tank because last week drove our daughters to school how far is their school from our house how many miles so like Uh, 15 15 miles?
1: miles it 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 I got a phone call. I was home, and I got a phone call or a text from a text from one of our daughters who you're driving Yes. who said, how far can you drive the Toyota after the gas lights co- comes on asking for a friend and the friend is mom? Yes. I told her. It. I said, text, text that
0: and find out because I, I not exactly.
1: I replied 35 to 45 miles an hour because I'm looking at the manual. Not
0: my, miles an hour, but 35 to 45 miles. Miles, yes. And mom will have no problem getting home. Gaslight went on. I'm right near the school. I dropped the kids off. And fortunately, there's
1: a, fortunately there's, a, there's a shell station. There's a gas station a mile away.
0: away. Yeah, there's a gas station a mile away. But it's in the opposite direction of our house, and I wanted to get home so I could see the younger kids before they went to school. They were asleep So the, when I left the house.
1: The way the golf ball rolls towards the body of water... The Toyota rolls away from the nearest source of gasoline. Continue.
0: So I didn't go to the gas station that was a mile away. I turned around and said, all right, I'm going to make it home. And I'm driving along. And as I'm about to get on a highway that has zero shoulder, I'm, I'm on the highway, but I'm on the, the part that's not super dangerous yet. Right before I get on the part of the highway that has zero shoulder, The car starts and zero phone
1: reception. Yes, and zero. You're going through like a canyon.
0: Yes, the car starts to buck a little bit, and I realize, oh, I'm out of gas. I've never run out of gas before, ever, or I've I've run out of gas. I've been tired plenty of times. I've never been driving a car that ran out of gas. So, fortunately, there's like an off ramp, and so I'm getting off this highway and just hoping I can make it to the bottom. I don't quite make it to the bottom. I pull over, and I call you. And you were getting the other kids ready for school. So then I call my dad, who doesn't have a gas tank. So I'm thinking, all right, what makes sense? doesn't have sense? a gas tank. No, doesn't have a, like, what Isn't is it not have a five-gallon five gas container? Gallon. That yeah, yeah, can, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, dad, my dad, comes over, drives the kids to school as you take one of our gas canisters to the gas station to put in gas to bring to me so that I can no longer just be... Standing on the side of the like, road. I don't
1: like driving with a canister of gas in the shotgun seat. I, I, I'm, I'm a rolling Molotov cocktail.
0: And like in plus, in, I
1: was chain smoking at the time.
0: <laughs> and where I had to pull off when I when I ran out of gas, it, it was a uh, you know an exit. And fortunately, um, it was uh, kind of went to a dead end street, so not very many cars got off there. Although I'd say about ten did. One asked me if I needed help, um, but ten got off. Because it was a corner. So, again, fortunately, like, you know, when people are getting off, they're going and, and, and
1: two asked you for selfies, which I thought was inappropriate. <laughs> well. Without offering to help.
0: So I've since driven the car a couple of times, including I did. I called a couple of games at the Mohegan Sun, which is about 60-ish miles away from us. And I, I filled the tank, of course, after I'd run out of gas. Drove to the Mohegan and back 130 miles and the gas tank was showing like seven-eighths full. Like, there's no way this thing is seven-eighths full. Went to, the ga- went to the gas station and filled up like 10 gallons or something. So clearly the little, what's it called? The, the gas, gas gauge. tank. The gas gauge is not working.
1: As long as we can fix blame somewhere else, then, then I think we're, we're good here. What's that? As long as we can assign blame to someone or no, something. No, it was 100% than...
0: my fault. Like I've learned and I, I texted the girls and, and told them they were at school. I said, I ran out of gas. I sent them a picture of me on the side of the highway. said, I've run out of gas. The moral of the story is when the gas light comes on in any car, go immediately to the closest gas station. But since I haven't had a chance to bring the car in to get the gas gauge fixed, because I've, I've driven it a couple times, I've gone to doing what I remember kids doing in high school when I get when I fill the tank, I reset the odometer trip A or trip B or whatever. And so now I'm keeping track of my, the miles. So like yesterday I was on my way to ESPN, I'm like, oh, I've driven 140 miles since I filled this tank. Like
1: every time you arrive. I only somewhere.
0: needed and then I only needed to play I stopped at a gas station, but I didn't need to. I could have gone another 140 miles. But that's what it's come to.
1: And every time you stop at the grocery or at work or or the post office you, like a, like a like a delta pilot who has just landed at JFK, you pull out your little logbook and you write down the miles driven and the miles remaining and and calculate when you're going to next need gas. Is that what you do?
0: No, I just reset the thing, and then every time I put any gas in, I reset the little odometer. So at least yeah. I have an idea if I'm getting close to the thing. This is just until I get the 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 thing fixed, of course. Um, and then so that's that's my gift to everyone is the second your gas light comes on which everybody already knows go to the closest gas station don't just trust your husband who tells you oh you can make it home no problem and
1: then and then sing in your best neil diamond voice turn off your gas light
0: <laughs> exactly and the and then I'm just going to throw this in there too because it's gas station related freezing um, cold morning, the other morning. So no surprise, I'm driving the kids to school, and one of the tires has air pressure low. Fortunately, the minivan tells you which tire it is. So I pull into the gas station after dropping the kids at school to to put air in that tire. And there are five enormous pickup trucks parked at the gas station, not getting gas. I don't know what what was going on, but parked, the free air. parked there. B- blocking the air. That's every now, time I
1: go by. That's that's the case.
0: Th- there was n- they weren't getting air. I, they, I'm, I don't know if they were inside getting whatever they were getting. A do you snack remember? Do you remember in the bathroom?
1: Do you remember when getting air involved you either on your BMX bike or or, or yes. trying to grab the rim? Now it's yes. actually filling your tires yes. uh, in the minivan. In in the winter, it's kind of a sad de-evolution, don't you think?
0: I had to back in in this funky way that wasn't really a space and then, you know, pull the air pressure thing out and it it has the coiled cord. As I'm putting the air in the tire, I hear the coiled cord smacking the... um, the, the pickup the truck yeah. next to me and I'm thinking I love the
1: coiled cord it reminds me of the phone as a kid yes
0: yes but I'm thinking is this? Is There's going to be somebody coming out up now of the gas station who's going to be angry that this coiled cord is smacking the front of his Ford Bronco or whatever it was as I'm trying to put air in my tire she anyway. was found
1: bound in the coiled cord of the air machine
0: <laughs> she was <laughs>
1: she was inflated she, to 350
0: she was, <laughs> psi she was <laughs> strapped to the air pressure machine by the cord and, by the angry pickup Truck and I'm driver. getting a great
1: visual here because you are wearing, if I may, purple sweatpants and a different shade of purple hoodie with I the am. hood up, and you were looking like a like Violet Beauregard from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Even before I had this image of you being inflated that like be the giant uh, blueberry.
0: And my but my um my hoodie string is pretty even, so you're not gonna have to restring this. But um.
1: Anyway. But this, this week, you've been, every, you've, you've been all over the place the last three weeks. This past week, you've been working nonstop every day to bring people piping hot uh, women's basketball coverage from uh, your employer. But this is not about you. So all of the, all of the tales from the road, that is the uh, tales of technical difficulties or wonder from your broadcasts, this is not about you. No, it's, it's about the not about viewer. Me. It's about the viewers. It's, it's time to snake the drain. Take that book, throw our lure, with your first, uh, viewer mail. Our uh, first viewer mail is from Chuck. And Chuck writes, uh, I'm the completionist who sent the tweet about my daughter hoping to meet you. You, Rebecca. Proof of a successful outing in the pics below. So evidently there are pics. There are indeed pics, Rebecca. This is when I was here.
0: in uh, Atlanta, right? Uh
1: it, well, the header is UConn-Georgia Tech. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That was exciting. There was a, actually a large contingent of UConn fans at that um, at that game. And uh, just yes. Let me
1: say, Chuck says, Thank you for being gracious, friendly, and patient with my daughter, her high school teammates, and all the other kids who are there to meet you. Looking forward to more pods. Wishing you and Steve and your family a Merry Christmas. P.S. We also have a high school senior. I share the teeth grinding of the financial aid morass. P.P.S., pod topic since the season is upon us. Folks who show up for Mass only at Christmas have no idea what to do, talk or move around all through Mass, etc. Well, it's, it's, it's that time of season, of course, for the Keister season, Christmas and Easter only.
0: That is true. And uh, But I cut you, you off. You were talking no, about the Georgia saying, Tech game. Yeah, there's there a lot of UConn fans there. There was an entire team that I got to meet. Um, and, and there was a whole group of kids that were 11 years old, who, that's, which is the age of our youngest daughter. So, um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but yes, yeah, a topic, It it is that time of year. And um, it's interesting where we are in New England right now because Omicron, Omicron, how do you say it?
1: I say it Omicron.
0: Omicron. So you say Omic- tomato. Omicron is wreaking havoc here in New England. And I was just having this conversation with my sister today because Christmas Eve, we always go to her church and go to mass with her. And watch this beautiful kind of Christmas pageant and um, just saying to her, is it safe this year for us to go to a packed church or do we watch the mass? Um, do we watch it on live stream? So that's that's a big decision we have to make in the uh, in the upcoming days.
1: Uh, last year we live streamed it and, and I I dressed to the nines for it in my own, to be on my own couch for it. Yeah. It was kind of a nice. You did dress up for it. That's right. Yes. Unlike the rest of you. Slobs. Slobs, yeah. Um, Well, anyway, uh, let's get to our next viewer mail, shall we? Yes. It comes, as I say, our viewer mail is voluminous. so um, Let's continue to snake this drain. On all kinds of tangents as we snake the drain. Hello and happy holidays. Oh, writes our, uh, our resident statistician and friend, Mark Simon.
0: I think he threw a challenge out not only a, a the cer- podcast. Not only
1: the certified completionist and one-time segment namer, Traveling Violations, so he named the segment Traveling mm. Violations. Not only is he certified completionist, I believe he coined the whole completionist concept. Did he not?
0: I, he may have. I don't he, remember. He asked
1: how many completionists there are. Mm. He he. I think he self-certified to yeah. start mm-hmm. and uh, created the whole phenomenon. Uh, hello and happy holidays, writes Mark. In listening to Steve reading viewer mail, I heard him say, hit the thing when talking about trying to time when you stop your talking just right as a song played underneath you. So right before the lyrics kick in on the song, mm-hmm. those old AM DJs, you know. Right. Uh, in DJing terms, writes Mark, that's known as hitting the post as I'm hitting you with a turn of phrase. So uh, it's such an art to that in radio, you know. Yeah. Um, talking over the intro, which drove us crazy as kids, and then and then shutting up just as the lyrics kick in. Mm-hmm. Hitting uh, the post. I know this, writes Mark, because I am a failed radio DJ. I, I could neither hit a post well nor properly say the name of the band REO Speedwagon. I served the word Rio instead of R-E-O. That would well, Mark, be a problem. <laughs> Rio, Rio Speedwagon. A Rio. Not Rio S-P-E-E-D. <laughs> Rio Speedwagon. I love that. Speedo Rewagon, Okay. Uh, I have two questions, writes, writes Mark. One in the holiday spirit and the other in the spirit of my work as a podcast statistician. One, I was trying to estimate how many times per show we get, quote, the sound of Rebecca rolling her eyes, unquote, the pause that happens when Steve says a wordplay pun or obscure TV reference. How many times, Rebecca, would you estimate that you roll your eyes either literally or metaphorically during the course of a podcast?
0: Uh say probably around three
1: probably around three so Mark writes uh, I'm curious how often you think this happens if the answer is about five times per show then you are coming up upon up on the 1000th Rebecca eye roll Ooh. so if you think it's three we're three-fifths of the way there and we're, we're I'm guessing we're at about but, your 600th eye roll but
0: certainly there are podcasts probably where there are seven that might sure even out well Marcus that Mark's talking Mark's about. our
1: resident statistician he's he the one who should know. be doing the analytics on yes,
0: this he, yes yes
1: and, and, in fact, uh, you didn't just roll your eyes at Mark as, as I was talking. You were kind of scowling at him. For,
0: uh, I'm not, he, I would to scowl want to, at he Mark. He
1: needs to tell us. Mark provides valuable uh, analytic information for baseball broadcasts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He should be doing the same for us. He should tell us how many times you roll your eyes because it's a the sound of Rebecca rolling her eyes. Even, even listeners should be able to hear it, right? Yes. Two. You've talked before about gifts for all different celebrations. What is the best experiential gift you ever received? One where you got to do something rather than got a material gift. This is timely as this morning's headlines, Mark, because we were just trying to think of that same thing. Not because we wanted to give our children a great experience or a memory for a lifetime, but because we can no longer get stuff delivered as we record this a couple of days before Christmas.
0: (laughs) Have you ever ever given me an experiential gift?
1: Rebecca, every day for you— Is an experiential gift from me. There's one eye roll. There's an eye roll. That was a a literal one. Yes. Have I ever given you an experiential gift? Of course. Well, I mean, it costs money, the experiential gifts. Right. You know, if I, I I mean, I've always thought about giving you like some sort of day at the spa or something. I've never done that. That would be an experience, but it's also a material um, gift, I think. And there's also no spa that I can think of. Right. We don't live in, 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 uh, in, uh, I was
0: actually telling our son the, yesterday, just yesterday.
1: Santa Barbara. We don't live in Santa Barbara. That's
0: what I was trying to think of. Um, I was saying to our son, I said, I need to teach you how to put air in the car tires. Our son's 13. And he said, why? And I said, so you can put air in the tires when, they'll get, when the um, pressure light comes on. And he's like, why would I want to do that? And I said, how about this? He said, I know you haven't gotten me anything for Christmas. Why don't you make one of those coupon books and you can give me gifts. And one of the gifts will be... Next time the air pressure's low, I'll, t- I'll have taught you how to put the air in the tires. I can stay inside the warm car, and you can get out and put the air in the tires. And his response was, okay, I'll give that to you, but it'll be a one-time-use coupon, and you can only use it in the summer. <laughs> and, uh, like, did, did you ever do that as a kid? Did you ever make well, of the course coupon, coupon book? books? Yeah, Yeah. so um, that's what I, I want uh, at least and I see our daughter in the back seat like looking I looked at her I said maybe all right, I'll teach you how to put air in the tires (laughs) but I would like that that would be a great gift that would be a great experiential and
1: as a stocking stuffer as kids we got the coupon book of did you ever have the, the coupon book from McDonald's McDonald's oh, coupons, yes. I loved those I mean, Oh those yes, were, the
0: Sunday with nuts yes. and, uh, Well Sunday with nuts if you, was, was
1: that an experiential <laughs> The. Uh, <laughs> and, but we also got the book of Lifesavers of course which Oh was, that uh, was amazing uh, as well And and, and uh, um, my brother and, and our, our Sister-in-law sent us uh, Candy, like nostalgic Candy mm-hmm. for Christmas We got it last year and this year And they there was a roll of butter rum Lifesavers in there and, mm-hmm. and our son was looking at this Like what is this, I said try it Trust me, and it was funny how many things looked disgusting to them, mm-hmm. including Boston baked beans. They were, they were like, "What is?" This? I said, "You don't need them more for me." The and and Red Hots, you know, they, they, they these aren't things that are part of their palate. The
0: lifesaver book. Yeah, um, my brother used to get those every year from the priest. Um, at our church, because my brother was an altar server, and that was the gift. The priest gave all the altar servers, and I remember my sister and I just being so jealous. Jealous, one, because we wanted to be altar servers, and in those days, couldn't be an altar server if you were female. But two, he got this amazing-looking book of lifesavers that we didn't.
1: But not Sunday with nuts.
0: (laughs) Hopefully. Mark will appreciate this as our resident statistician. Last night, I did the South Carolina-Stanford game. Supposed to be in Columbia, travel down there, but with the way COVID is right now, our bosses had us stay here, and uh, Ryan and I called it from Bristol. Anyway, as we're getting ready for that game, um, realize Stanford has not played a single possession of zone defense all season long. But South Carolina had struggled um, in their most recent games, playing against teams who are playing zone defense. And when we were talking to Stanford coach Tara Vanderveer leading up to the game, she made it seem like her team might play some zone defense. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, you know, I'm ready. We're ready for these stats. They've played zero possessions of zone all season. They might play some tonight. We requested stat tracking for somebody back in in Bristol to keep track. Like sometimes they'll keep track of, you know, if Aaliyah Boston catches the ball, how many times is she double teamed or how many times this or that happens? And my brilliant idea is let's track how many possessions of zone that Stanford plays in this game. They haven't played it all year. They barely played it last year. This will be an amazing storyline. It'll be fun to follow through on. So they secured a person and their whole job was to keep track of how many possessions of zone Stanford played. And then Stanford didn't play a single (laughs) possession of zone in the game. So, like, we, I was prepared for this storyline. I was so excited to hit it and talk about it. And, um, anyway, the poor stats guy sitting back in Bristol all game with his pencil and paper. <laughs> for Every time Stanford was going to play zone, he was going to track it. We're going to build a graphic, all this stuff. Zero possessions of zone.
1: Well, Mark says, as someone with too much stuff, I appreciate a good experiential gift. Thank you for the experiential gift of your weekly podcast. Thank you, Mark. And and you know, on Stanford not playing a single possession of zone all season. My question for you, Rebecca, is how do these kids play? How and where do these kids play youth right. girls basketball? Because all the, <laughs> all these teams do is play zone, yeah. collapsing two three zone. Oh no, even more front
0: loaded zone well, press. Yeah, jump out, uh, against girls that can't pass it, the ball it's, farther it's, it's than ten It's unwatchable. Oh, it, no one learns anything. Me. It's it's it the absolute me. worst.
1: So you play yes. man uh, in a world of of zone. Uh, defense and yes, girls' we lose classical. every game because
0: we play man to man to try to teach the kids the right way to play.
1: Because because the kids playing zone will have gained nothing by the time they reach high school, right? Very little. Ralph writes Hi Restiva Rebecca's autograph is on top of my computer tower and is quite legible. It shares space with Elena deladan's which is quite distinctive. Rebecca, I, I I it must be a it must be a counterfeit autograph, appears, was quite legible, wouldn't you say? Or do you sometimes... The Rebecca
0: might not be perfectly legible, because it goes R-E-B and then squiggles. But the Lobo is, it's four letters. I make that as legible as I can.
1: Dongle does not appear in the American Heritage Dictionary of 1970, writes Ralph, but Quotidian does. If
0: Dongle had appeared in the
1: American Heritage Dictionary of 1970, I'd have... Dongle I'd,
0: or dongold. Dongle. You, you said Donggold. I did. Or maybe you were saying does, dongle does, and I just heard Donggold. does not. Dongled. Yeah. So Dongle Dongled does was, not appear.
1: Dongled was the name of a, a new Disney Pixar animation. Uh, it's a sequel to Tangled, but it, it involves a <laughs> Dongle. Yeah. Uh, but Quotidian does. I looked it up because it was in a book review I was reading. I suspect Steve would use it in his novel set in Upper Echelon. The Quotidian task of washing the dishes, etc. I have not seen solipsistic in book reviews lately, but those who live in Upper Echelon are just that. UConn writes Ralph is in serious danger of losing two in a row for the first time since 1993. Did that happen?
0: No, but they're coming off a loss, right. so it's still possible. Uh, so they have three losses
1: as the time of this recording.
0: They have three losses. They have they have two of them to top five teams in South Carolina, who was one in Louisville, who I think was three maybe when they are four and decimated um,
1: by injuries though though more than literally decimated because decimated is one in ten and they have three of their top what
0: eight decimated nine is is quantified as one oh, in ten think of decimal huh Deca. that's interesting um and then to at the time unranked georgia tech but um but yeah it, it could happen it could happen
1: my viewer mail special question, writes Ralph, relates to the Iowa Duke game on ESPN and the LSU-Iowa State game on ESPN2. They were on at the same time. Both were upsets and were not all that competitive at the end. Which did better in the ratings? That's from Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. And I think, Rebecca, I'm just going to take a stab at this answer. Doesn't Don't games always rate better on ESPN than ESPN2? Did we always. talk about this? Always. The, we don't the know one why caveat. because here they're consecutive right. channels, it 28 be- and 29, and, and people can't make the sort of physical or logical leap to turn up one channel
0: Uh, the one caveat i think a year ago um the games weren't at exactly the same time they may have had an hour difference in tip time but uconn lost to arkansas in a big time upset um on in a very close and exciting and high scoring game on espn 2 while south carolina demolished um, I think Mississippi State on ESPN one and I think the ESPN two game may have rated higher just because it's weird anytime UConn is in danger of losing they rate really well <laughs> I mean they rate well no matter what but especially when they're in danger of losing because it typically doesn't happen very often um, but in that case it was like a blowout and then a close games but usually like in, in the instance he brings up I'm, I'm certain the ESPN games rated higher
1: our next viewer Male extravaganza question comes from Mary, a completionist. Hello, Mary. She writes, uh, dear Steve and Rebecca, could you tell us a little bit about how the idea of the podcast came about? How reluctant was Steve? Uh, and who had the terrific idea to go with ball and chain as the title? It's a wonderful listen every week. Thanks so much, Mary, a completionist. Thank you, Mary. Well, I can tell you, uh, whose idea it was. It was producer Denny Gallagher. Denny with an N, uh, a Marquette, I mean, I don't know, people may not necessarily know this, um, particularly if they're not completionists. Denny uh, went to Marquette, my alma mater. He and I were in a mentorship program together, and uh, we had lunch in New York after he had graduated and was working at uh, Sirius XM at PJ Clark's, I believe, on the Upper West Side in the Empire Hotel. If I remember correctly, Denny can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Denny can't correct me if I'm wrong. He's not in basement, but uh, and he he thought that you and I should do a podcast, and I love that Mary says how reluctant was Steve because she presumes you as the uh, as the extroverted broadcasting uh, uh, jibber jabberer in house would would be all for it, and that I would be have to be persuaded, but in fact I think you were open to the idea
0: I think we were both and open I, and, to the idea and I
1: was as well we certainly had no idea how to uh, do a podcast we didn't have any we didn't know what microphone to use but we, we didn't know if we needed a studio we didn't know if we could do it how we've ended up doing it for four years now with a TV a tray tables and, and um, nothing else but yeah so that's that was that was Denny's idea and that was the that's the I, origin story Uh and uh, Eric Pankey, we should add, uh, created a logo for us mm-hmm. that's been phenomenal. Yeah. A uh, ball and chain. We had to chain. adjust
0: at one point. I don't know if – has anyone ever mentioned the adjustment to the logo? I don't know. So the logo used to have the the, the, bo- the and for the ball and chain, the cross. The plus sign, yeah. The plus sign used to be red. And then when we tried to get approval, trademark approval or something The red for, cross. The red cross. Sued us into the Stone Age. <laughs> the red cross had issues with the logo they, because... Uh, the I'm
1: kidding. They didn't sue us into the stone. Age.
0: They didn't sue us, but they did object to the use of our cross.
1: Did they object or were we told by some legal people that they might object?
0: No, they, they, they did. They did object. They okay. did, yeah. And so um, so that's why...
1: We thought we could win a public relations battle with the, <laughs> with Red, <laughs> the Red Cross, Red <laughs> that's but why we decided not to get into that.
0: Like a year ago or a year and a half ago, whenever it was, um, we switched it to blue and, but there were a few places, um, that carry the podcast that it took a while for the logo to switch. And so the Red Cross kept saying, like, no, we still see it with the red on this site or this site or that site. And so, um, so if we have mugs or stickers or anything like that, those still have the red. So when we're sending out our contraband to people, they just have to be careful with it. But, uh, but yeah, midstream, we had to switch to the blue cross. Well, it's not a cross. Not it's not a blue cross. cross. Well, it's a plus. It's a plus sign. But still.
1: Um, and uh, what else? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the story. Oh, and who, and who came up with the, the name Ball and Chain? That was my idea. Now,
0: of course it was. Who else's would it be?
1: Because you don't, Anything
0: you, words or that stuff related is is your wheelhouse.
1: But I, I must say, it was just it's just a name and a common phrase, and I think it was Tom, Dick, and Harry who really made it literally made it sing. Yes. that that phrase when when they wrote Happiness Lane. So it's all come together. Thing. Yeah. So thank you, Mary. Let's uh, let's continue snaking the drain, Rebecca. We're let's, still yeah, uh, we're away. still uh, not getting any any kind of uh, drainage here. Andy in Connecticut writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I found the new side gig for Steve to consider, and it involves a ladder. During halftime of the recent UConn-UCLA game, the camera feed briefly showed a couple of seconds of the entertainment activity while Rebecca was talking.
0: Oh, this was unbelievable. Okay, well,
1: let's see what, how Andy I describes it. I think this it. was
0: actually Georgia Tech.
1: Well, let's see. It was a guy balancing a tall stepladder, and it looked like he was balancing it on his nose, although it was too brief to really get a good look. This is perfect. Just think of the possibilities. You can practice at home, entertain neighbors walking along your street when you're not shooting baskets, and you can be an awkward backdrop to Rebecca's halftime analysis.
0: This dude was balancing, he was just balancing a ton of stuff. I don't think it was on his nose, it was on his chin, like his, you know, his lower, I guess his only chin. So on his chin. And the a cane, a this or that, and eventually a giant ladder. A ladder. He balanced with like the on his chin. And then when the halftime show was over, we saw him and he went over and he was balancing like a trombone or something from he went over to where the band was on his chin. Like, what makes you start doing some of those things that become halftime acts? Our daughter would have loved it if she had been able to see that. She loves those kind of things. America's Got talent halftime entertainment She, she stuff. considers
1: the first and second halves of the basketball game to be the... The sideline entertainment and the halftime entertainment is the main gig.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this dude was balancing a giant heavy ladder on his chin.
1: Well, secondly, writes Andy, I bring up the incredibly detailed play-by-play of ESPN announcer Ryan Rucco, who brings you all, all caps, of the action. I am speaking, of course, of his mentions during that same UConn-UCLA game of one player's unfortunate sideline distress characterized (laughs) by the purging, quote, of her stomach contents.
0: The contents of her stomach, The contents
1: of her stomach, not the contents. Not the, the, the contents of her character, having piqued our interest, Ryan expertly stayed with this action through to its conclusion, announcing for viewers' relief that the stomach contents had in fact been disposed of. No sooner had he finished this report, and in response to some ineffectual play by Yukon, my wife, a rabid Yukon women's basketball fan, then announced, "I'm going to lose my stomach contents if they don't start playing better."
0: <laughs> well, so I,
1: I I missed that completely. I was off a, doing something else with
0: yeah. So there's a backstory. I'll give a peep, peep, the people well, a little there's glimpse. A, there's a front story, obviously. <laughs> when we were doing a WNBA game this summer during the playoffs, we were in Chicago, and a player left the court, and she was getting sick. She was vomiting into a barrel. And so we were in a commercial break. and Did Holly, they have a
1: barrel there for that purpose? Like trash.
0: No, okay. it was just like a trash can. So Holly Rowe, Rowe tells our producer, um, when we come back, I'm going to do the story. She's vomiting. And our producer said, I don't know if we should use the word vomiting. And Holly said, why not? That's like what's happening. And um, and so there was like this back and forth between did, did,
1: did, did the producer proposed any alternatives. Uh,
0: um, I, yes, but I forget what it was. Regurgitation. Get, so she, I think our producer said, why don't you say she's getting sick? And Holly said, well, in the era of covid, you can't say some just say someone's getting sick like you have to be a little more specific. So it, there was a little bit of a tense moment with Holly and our producer. It was unresolved during the commercial break. We come back from break, and Holly does the report, <laughs> and Holly says, so-and-so is losing the contents of her stomach. And it was because she was annoyed. She had wanted to say vomited. There was like this, this back and forth, and Ryan and I have to press what's called the cough button. That, that's there so no one can hear you because he and I are both it, laughing hysterically yeah. because we had been party to this, this confrontation. So fast forward to this UCLA game. One the of UCLA's their their best player, Charisma Osborne. It looks like she's hurt her knee. She leaves the game, but then I guess she was had her head draped over a barrel with a towel on it. So Holly says, <laughs> "She's over here losing the contents of her stomach." We have a different producer now. Can, can and, I just pause for a second? Yes.
1: When, when you're losing the contents of your stomach, yes. it's it's it is by definition uh, sickening, nauseating. Yes. One of the worst feelings that that you can have. Yes. Now. Quadruple that by having somebody report. doing play by play. Right. So not and, only you're, you're not only that, but you're 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 doing it into a barrel in what, the Prudential Center was this yes, in Newark? Yes, okay. exactly.
0: So what's funny is so so Holly does this report and of course Ryan and I understand the origins of the report, so we both kind of find it funny. Not not of course that the kid is getting sick, but the way Holly has reported it. So then a little bit later, Ryan brings it up again. And of course, the only reason he mentions it and recaps, you know, when she came back in the game, you know, we know Holly told us she was losing the contents of her stomach goes just for our own amusement, just because it was going to make us laugh because of what happened, you know, way back. So anyway, if you ever hear Holly Rowe on any sport use that phrase, losing the contents of their stomach, it's it's to make me and Ryan laugh.
1: Looking forward to better and more stomach quieting conference play, writes Andy. I remain your devoted listener. Thanks, Andy. Great, uh, great email and question. And I had no idea that that had happened, or that um, that uh, that whole story was news to me.
0: And just to make it clear, I love our producer who does our WNBA games. I love our producer who does our women's college basketball games. These moments, of course, happen when you're when you're calling games, and um, and, and and it was funny. And these words
1: that. <laughs> These words do make people queasy. I mean, no pun intended. They make people queasy. Yes. You know, in, in TV, especially, you know, people are eating dinner when they're watching it. They're They're, 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 they're their eight whatever. they yeah. 8 eight-year-old, whatever. It, it's such a minefield. So, I, and I get it from, from all sides. So, uh, Dear Rebecca and Steve, greetings from Kansas City, Missouri. My second letter to viewer mail is long overdue. I've been meaning to write since your encounter with the random gentleman during your family trip to the mall over Memorial Day weekend. And finally decided to write after listening to your discussion about height following Steve's viewing of the Beatles documentary. What was our random encounter with a with a gentleman at the mall? Do you remember that? Memorial Day weekend? I, I don't. I don't think I was there. I don't remember. I mean, I've had many random encounters with, with gentlemen at the mall over, over the years, but... Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Okay.
0: I might lose the content. Yes, you might.
1: I recall that during your mall visit, oh, here, I recall that during your mall visit, you were asked if you're members of the Tall Club. Yes, I remember ah, that now. Yes, when we were yes. with all of the yes, kids. Yes. That's right. And I wanted to inform you that there is an actual Tall Club. It's called Tall Clubs International. <laughs> here is the link if you care to peruse. www.tall.org.
0: Did I ever tell the story on this podcast about the time... One of my basketball teams, we flew to Cleveland. So this is when Cleveland still had a WNBA yeah, team. The Rockers. And the Cleveland Rockers. Jen Rosati. I remember coming down the escalator to the baggage claim, and there are all these tall women and um, who were not basketball players, and we found out there was a tall woman's convention or something like that in town. So I wonder if it has now since that well, was pre-internet, yeah. so if now morphed into and the did, tall Did club. you
1: stride through the hotel in your Liberty warm-ups and say, <laughs> You call your, yourselves <laughs> tall. <laughs> this
0: was at the hotel, yes, baggage claim. Like, yeah. you know, you can fit a lot more pairs of shoes in your suitcase than I can, yeah. shorty. Yeah.
1: We, we're we in the real tall people's club. It's called the WNBA. Uh, they also have a Facebook page where they post lots of tips for all things related to being tall in a short world, from tall humor to household hacks and the best places to shop for tall sizes and large shoes. The minimum height to join is, Rebecca?
0: It's, is this for men and women or just women? I know. I'm oh, for women. For six, women. Six, one. For women. 6'1"? 5'10". Ah, okay. 5'10's tall.
1: And for men? 6'5"? Six,
0: 6'2". Six, oh, come on.
1: I mean, this is... This come is, uh, on.
0: That's like medium size.
1: <laughs> they even offer a tall scholarship for teens entering their first year of college. So, Ooh. Ooh. If, tell us more. <laughs> tell us more. We will be clicking on this. So the next time you're asked if you're members of the Tall Club, you should answer with a resounding Yes. All the best and have a merry Christmas, Robin with a with a Y N E, Robin R O B Y N E.
0: Nice. Ooh, I know a R-O-B-Y-N. I have, I have, this is our first R O B Y N E. Well, I'm I'm open, I, I'm on
1: the Tall Clubs International page, raising social standards since 1938. So they probably established their, their height standards in 1938 when being a five ten woman was was uh, exceptional. Their founder was K. Sumner Einfeld, 1916 to 1996. Wow. Yeah, and there's a picture, Rebecca, of Miss Tall International, crowned Miss Tall. International. I don't know how tall she is, but uh, but it's uh, international. This is, this is, a, Look this. This is reason, a whole yes. new world. Absolutely, we're
0: definitely going to learn more about that scholarship. If only
1: i had known that it was established in the 1930s, I'd I'd have uh, I'd have been married off much much sooner than I no, than I was.
0: Uh, I was actually thinking about that um, when we were at our our kids, uh, one of their concerts or Christmas pageants or whatever it is. Like our our son who's in eighth grade is pretty tall. And there's a girl who's in his class who's tall. And I don't know if they'll end up being able to have any school dances this year, but you better believe I'm going to tell our son, like at least one time the tall guy, anytime you're at a dance, high school, middle school, anytime, at least once, you got to ask the tall girl to dance. It used to drive me nuts. There's like two tall people uh, who are friends of mine, like in eighth grade or seventh grade or even in high school, they're always dancing with the short people. And then, on occasion, like a short guy would get up the courage to ask me to dance. And um, it was a little silly. So, just at least one time, you got to, if uh, you're a tall guy, the, you got to ask the, the tall amount of to hypocrisy
1: dance. going on here now. I don't even know where to begin.
0: And she might say no. I don't know where but, to begin. But what, what's the hypocrisy? The
1: hypocrisy is a tall guy did ask you to dance and you said no. It was me and no. it was the only time and it was the last time. So, uh, uh, we I'm weren't ta- married yet. We
0: were adults. I'm talking about like when you're a, a yes, but an awkward kid. I was
1: an awkward kid as an adult and it still I had to work up the courage to do it.
0: You, we've to- haven't we told this story? We, we probably have. So let's we'll, but, we'll move on. But, but you were you were having a laugh because okay, okay. we were both no, watching okay, the guy okay, in a okay. cobalt right. blue pants do okay. his thing. We were forgot, joking the, around. You pants, asked me to dance. Was I said was was no because you weren't serious. Fully white Ricardo Montalbán suit. that's right. That's
1: what yeah, it was. With a, with a white mustache. Anyway,
0: eventually I said yes to the more important question.
1: Would you like tapas? Would, would you do a podcast Oh, with that's me. correct. Um, <laughs> well, let's keep snaking the drain, shall okay, we? Okay, sorry. Yes. Uh, Chris in Connecticut writes, Dear Steve and Rebecca, who knew one mention of They Might Be Giants would have led to a series of emails? In the most recent episode, DGS said he instantly recognized the song upon watching the YouTube video with facsimile Looney Tune characters. We're talking about Istanbul, not Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Of course, people of my generation, I'm 41, and perhaps DGS's progeny would instantly recognize he was referencing a classic MTV parody episode of Warner Brothers' Tiny Toon Adventures, a staple of early
0: 1990s after-school viewing. did this person just say that they were perhaps DGS's progeny?
1: No, no, no. They are—perhaps DGS's progeny would also recognize this.
0: Oh, okay. Like, you really don't know if you are? (laughs) I (laughs) mean— Okay, keep going. Uh—
1: a staple of early nineteen nineties after school viewing. So, so I have to say that I completely missed early nineteen nineties after school viewing as as not being forty one. But you might have seen some no. early nineties after school viewing. Remember not much. On? I was in high, uh, okay.
0: senior in high school.
1: Uh, well. Uh, which included the next generation of Warner characters. While Birdhouse in Your Soul was not used in the episode, many They Might Be giant songs were given a cartoon music video. When Steve mentioned Istanbul, my mind immediately went to the Maltese Falcon parody video starring Plucky Duck, Hampton J. Pig, and Elmira Duff, a school-aged girl modeled on Elmer Fudd. Notice Duff is Fudd backwards, Rebecca. Oh. Set to the song. As for the holiday mailbag, I have two questions. First of all, that's that's interesting, and I'm going to look up those videos later because I, I missed all of these second-generation uh, Warner Brothers cartoons characters and and, and probably uh, happily so since they don't really seem to stick in the uh, cultural right. firmament right. the way that uh, Daffy Duck and um, company did. As for the holiday mailbag, I have two questions and I apologize because I also tweeted these. Writes Chris: A, what Lobo and Russian family holiday traditions have you each brought to the marriage that you that your own children enjoy? And uh, I can instantly say that. Uh, that uh, you will be making, whether you know it or not now, in the coming days, uh, rye rounds to describe these were what my mother made every every Christmas Eve. My sister carried on the tradition and she passed Ground the recipe. Pork, Velveeta cheese. Jimmy they involve a lot of Jimmy Dean products, right? Yes. Velveeta cheese. Yes. Velveeta cheese. Yes. And and look little cheese products. Little rye, rye bread kind mm-hmm. of miniature rye bread things. Yeah. Melt it all together. Mm-hmm. Put in the
0: oven. You love those things. They're
1: they're unbelievable. They're they're a uh, they're uh, That was a
0: gift I gave to you one year. You were talking about how your mom used to make these things and you love them. So I got in touch with your sister and asked for the recipe and make them pretty much every every Christmas time. It's your annual
1: opportunity to buy a block of a brick of Velveeta.
0: Yes, as long as it's not there's no issues with the supply chain. And we heard today issues with the cream cheese supply chain.
1: The Velveeta box, of course, once it was empty. Was perfect for holding tops baseball cards. Oh, really? Narrow box, the exact width of the baseball Is cards. Is it still?
0: I, Is it still the same box? I,
1: I would certainly hope so. It does wrapped it, does in does it silver hold foil.
0: your NFTs?
1: These they're, they're nifty. I can tell you that. Your, uh... you just rolled your eyes mentally. Again. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that was question A from from Chris. Mm-hmm. What, what about you? What what holiday tradition have you foisted on our children that that will will say they enjoy?
0: I think they enjoy it, although today you were um, a little bit down on it, in that when I was a kid growing up, every year my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, they would come on Christmas Eve to our house, stay over and spend Christmas morning with us, and they would give us PJs, pajamas, on Christmas Eve, and we couldn't wait. Even through high school, um, we would get these PJs, and there was just that feeling of going to bed on Christmas Eve in a brand new, clean pair of pjs and so now my mom did the same thing when she was alive she's no longer alive um so my dad who the kids call dampa gives them their dampa jams on christmas eve that they wear um
1: because neither our children nor your dad will be listening to this podcast i think i'm not telling tales out of school when i say that Mm. Oh, i am
0: i don't know you think we can let our our (laughs) podcast listeners in on a little secret Yes. So my mother used to get the kids' pajamas. My, my mother died in 2011. So, of course, ever since my mother has died, my mother died, I have purchased the Dampa Jams <laughs> and wrapped them in different paper and sent written on the thing with my right hand because I'm left-handed to, you know, the kids from Dampa. My sister has <laughs> done the same thing. I don't think the kids know. I don't but, think the kids have any idea. Or, they care, think or care. Or care. But um But this year
1: I was tasked with that while out running other were.
0: This is the first year you've done it though.
1: And and I had to ask a kindly woman at <laughs> Old Navy yeah. to help me. Did you ask her or did she just offer She, she, she you saw, she saw, she, like saw you. she saw that I was helpless and she's asked if, if she could help me and I said I certainly hope so.
0: I, I sent the, I I texted you the kids' sizes.
1: And I said I t- described the tradition that you just described. And I said, uh, "He he gets pajamas every year." He in air yeah, quotes. He gets pajamas every year, but but as you can see, he and I, I'm not. He's not me. <laughs> I'm getting them. And she said, "And I quote, we have a dog like that. <laughs> he gives our kids presents, but he also doesn't buy them because he doesn't have thumbs. Because
0: he, he's a dog. no, Because he has thumbs. So or
1: doesn't so have thumbs. The the, the the it was that that." Uh, analogy was made and and I thought it was appropriate. Spot on. So that was question A from Chris, but he also has question two. Okay. I, I like when our viewers do that. A and two. Two, what is the traditional Christmas meal and is it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? All the best. Merry Christmas, your residence, something or other. Chris, Chris, same to you. And the traditional Christmas meal, and is it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? It is on Christmas Eve. And Rebecca, you may remember how this started. I don't. Every Christmas Eve, We go to Mass, we go to your sister's house, and we have a gigantic uh, pan, multiple pans of paella, of takeout paella. Yes. We would always get it from a place called Costa del Sol in Hartford. Mm -hmm. It has since closed, I believe. Mm -hmm. Great place. Mm -hmm. Great paella. Now we get it from Max's in West Hartford. Now we get it from Max's in West Hartford, ordering it nine months in advance. Yes, it's been ordered. And it's, it's phenomenal. It's delicious. We don't have it. The rest of the year. I don't know why. I mean, I, we eat it until the pan is empty, and, even though— and
0: our stomachs are about to explode. Yeah, yeah.
1: Until so, we're, we're ready to reveal the contents of our stomachs.
0: So this is the origin. When I was pregnant with our oldest daughter, we went to my sister's house on Christmas Eve.
1: Our oldest daughter was due on Christmas Day.
0: Yeah. And my sister made my mom's recipe for jambalaya. And— While we were at my sister's house, I started having contractions. I remember getting up from her dinner table. My parents were there as well. My mother was still alive and walking around having contractions. So anyway, after that, like you can't replicate my mom's jambalaya, but paella was similar ish. And so when we get together on Christmas Eve, we're not only celebrating Christmas Eve, but we're celebrating our older oldest daughter's birthday with the extended family and um and so that's why we have the paella and it's amazing and it feeds everybody um and then christmas day we don't really have a traditional meal except for christmas morning breakfast is a french toast casserole that i have to make the night before sits in the fridge and then you cook it because that's what our daughter it's her birthday so she gets to choose what we have for breakfast and it's become tradition now so every year she wants to have the french toast casserole um, for breakfast, so that those are our two tradition Christmas tradition meals: Christmas Eve paella, Christmas morning French toast casserole.
1: Okay, thanks, Chris. This this drain is not going to snake itself, so let's keep it keep it moving. Dear B and C, this is from Noah in Tacoma, Washington. Dear B and C, the Has story Noah
0: written in before? I don't think so. I don't remember Noah. Sorry, go for it.
1: The story from last year about your son wanting to pan for gold in a local creek was one of my favorite podcast episodes. Can you update the viewers? Did he only try panning once? Did his gold fever die out? Alternatively, has he tried digging for oil in your backyard? Merry Christmas, Noah in Tacoma. Um, thank you, Noah. Great questions. Uh, he, he panned for gold multiple times. There was a, a it was period the, there. That was
0: the COVID spring.
1: Yeah, where we were going to the creek. Uh, multiple times a week, mm-hmm. panning for gold. Uh, we had dug up on the internet legends of legend of Curly's Gold. What was that? Right. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, City yeah. Slickers. But uh, some gold that was found various places in Connecticut, and, and that fed gold fever. But as with other gold rushes, you are correct, it did die. Gold fever, his gold fever, as it did in Northern California, as it did elsewhere.
0: Uh, but it not did, only it, that, he's like, he was... 11. He was
1: in the last stages of pure boyhood. Yeah.
0: 12 when, like, just as a boy, he wanted to go to the creek and pan for yeah. gold. And now that he's 13 and things are changing, um, it makes me sad to even talk about that my little boy is no uh, longer as much boy, of though. a little boy. Yeah,
1: but um, but he, he hasn't tried digging for oil in our backyard. But I think maybe—
0: Maybe right after I teach him how to put air in my tire, I teach him how to fill my tank with the oil that he's drilled for in the backyard.
1: <laughs> He's digging for gold. He's throwing away a fortune in feelings, but someday you'll pay. What is that song, Rebecca? No idea. You're as cold as ice. Oh, it is. You're willing You're to as sacrifice. Cold ice. Foreigner.
0: Who's that foreigner? Yeah.
1: Ah, the uh, what's left of my brain is still foreigner lyrics, and um, yeah. This is from Rebecca in Wisconsin, and the headline uh, has me. it's pulled me in. Is double completionist. What? Let's see. Long time viewer first time writer after it was mentioned on last week's episode that neither of you thought there was or should be a double completionist, I figured it was time to write in since I am one. What? I Tell mean, me can more. Can this be? This can't be. I'm not in prison, but I <laughs> <laughs> But I ought to be, is that the rest of the <laughs> But I do spend eight hours a day walking and driving around while delivering the mail. Ah, This time of the year, when the hours are longer and colder, I very much need a podcast that guarantees a laugh and a smile. Thank you both for the awesome podcast every week. Rebecca, I'm a longtime fan of your basketball analysis. You and Ryan are an incredible duo. You both have such a contagious enthusiasm during every game. I watch a lot of the games. But the Sparks are my team, so it's an extra treat when you're calling their game. Steve, your writing is unique, and I mean that as a huge compliment. Happy holidays to you both and the rest of your family, Rebecca in Wisconsin. Oh, that makes me feel so good.
0: That makes me feel a good. A double
1: completionist who's who's completing her rounds, her postal rounds, mm-hmm. um, in Wisconsin. That's amazing. Who's also a Sparks fan as a complete non sequitur.
0: feel bad for the Sparks, unless they have a nice, really good free agency period this year, might struggle again.
1: Well, I mean, uh, she's going to have to hear that a second time because this is this is the first time she's hearing that.
0: <laughs> and maybe I'll be wrong maybe. by the time she hears it the second time. Exactly.
1: Ah, here's here's uh, a familiar name, George in Columbus. Uh, it gives me an opportunity before reading his viewer mail to thank him for all of the for the pumpkins, the ocular accoutrement.
0: I mean, he makes every day like Christmas.
1: He does. I mean, he's 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 been uh, he's been a stalwart. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a mailer and podcast listener and and provider of swag, which I have to send out your end swag i'm I'm derelict in that, so yeah. hold your horses, people. Rebecca and Steve writes, George and Columbus, in response to your request for viewer mail questions, I pose the following queries. Thanks for keeping us entertained again this year and best wishes for 2022. Steve, in 2008, Rick Riley finally achieved the dream of having his football movie Leatherheads made after 16 years of waiting. I know your loyal viewers can't wait for the film a- adaptation of Stingray Afternoons. Have you tried your hand at writing screenplays and is the writing process much different than writing books and articles? A Great question. I have not tried my hand at writing a, a, a movie script though it's something that I think would be fun. Uh, I did co-write a television pilot based... I must have told this story, Rebecca, on the podcast. I don't know that you have. Well, I'll give you the short version. Um, A a, a television producer and I, at his request, wrote a um, a pilot for Paramount and CBS about, based on... our marriage mm-hmm. it was sort of ball and chain before pre-children though before it was there was about a ball like and chain. our courtship no, and whatever uh, wasn't it pre-children but we had a child at the time oh right right yeah and we went out to la on the paramount lot and wrote mm-hmm. this thing It was obviously never produced you never saw it but uh but you know the script was sold and and i have the script and it was it was it was a ton of fun it was so much fun writing it and just being on the Paramount lot, these famous gates. And there's the soundstage where the Brady Bunch was. There's the soundstage where Happy Days was. Uh, there's the, you know, where the restaurant across this, st- from the gates where uh, uh, Florence Henderson and Robert Reed and the cast would have lunch, you know, mm-hmm. during breaks. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And uh, uh, so, so, it was just it was just a complete lark and, and loved every minute of it. Rebecca, on last week's podcast, you mentioned that you ran into Mike Golick Jr. at ESPN. That reminded me that you had made a bet with the Golicks on their April 5th, 2019 show regarding the Notre Dame versus UConn game, which Notre Dame won. On your BNC podcast the next week, you explained in response to an email from DGS that you were to pay off the bet by wearing a leprechaun outfit on the Golick and Wingo show. Was this bet ever settled? Are the Russians still indebted to the Golicks? I'll hang up and listen.
0: I'm still indebted.
1: That you it never
0: up no it, it, but it wasn't it wasn't my fault they they um, I think they tried to get me on like right after the final four and it, it, w- it couldn't make it happen because of the draft or something like that and then um, and then they stopped doing the show I think there was a long time between one and the other but um, no they n- I never got on to pay off I will forever be indebted
1: our next viewer mail comes from uh, Steve with this uh, shortened of version of Stephen with the pH. And uh, he writes, "Dear Stephen, Rebecca, it's late on Monday night, and the somewhat vaunted Minnesota Vikings have just defeated the less than vaunted Chicago Bears. So, what better time than now to drop a short note to close out the year, 2021? And, and boy, that was uh, not one for uh, ESPN no. Classic, Rebecca. That was uh, the Vikings are are hardly vaunted, and the and the Bears are less than that. Last week was a big one for our family here in the Twin Cities, right, Steve?" Capped off when my middle daughter married her German fiancé in a delightful ceremony attended by close family and friends. German fiancé. I like that that, uh, Teutonic and French mashed up there. German fiancé.
0: Sounds nice.
1: The weather cooperated. All of the moving parts meshed smoothly, and the bride and groom made a lovely couple. It's a challenge in that they live in Germany, but then again, it provides that much more incentive to get some stamps in my passport. Parents, just a warning that when you send your kids overseas for those college semesters, they just might meet the young
0: man or woman of their dreams. They might. So don't send them because you don't want them (laughs) to move to Germany.
1: Well, I I would also caution if you send your daughter to live in New York City. They just might meet the man of your nightmares. Yeah, true.
0: Happened here.
1: Happened here. In any event, despite COVID-19, the pandemic, 2021 has been a good year, and I've certainly enjoyed my weekly hour or so listening in on the Russian Lobo family tales, as well as keeping up with the regular reports from the various correspondents who make up the BNC family. I'm still dead serious in my willingness to put together a meet and greet next April during the NCAA Women's Final Four, assuming COVID-19, the pandemic, doesn't interfere. And I plan to do all of my holiday cooking this week, intentionally measuring dry ingredients and in liquid measuring cups. God bless you, Steve. That's how you show the man who's the boss. As for my question to end the year, I'm wondering if Steve is working on another book, and if so, what the general focus might be. In closing, I simply wish your family, as well as all of the listeners, new and seasoned, a very Merry Christmas and a safe, prosperous, and healthy new year. Until next time, I remain your faithful correspondent from the northern suburbs, Steve. Steve is, in fact, uh, I mean, I may as well just say it. I don't want to build any anticipation because I'm nowhere near Completing the book, but I've been I've been working on a book, trying to uh, uh, write uh, some of these family tales. That, uh, the story of raising children, raising a family. Um, kind of the Stingray Afternoons was about being a kid. Knights uh, in White Castle was about going to high school, going to college, and going off into the world. and And uh, the book I'm working on or trying to work on is uh, is about. Being married and raising a family.
0: Do you tell the one the one-sided story that it's become of you asking me to dance and I say no?
1: Uh, it's possible. It's
0: possible. It's in there.
1: It's possible. Uh, everything's possible. But uh, but thanks thanks Steve for your uh, Northern Suburbs correspondence throughout the year and uh, for your question. This viewer mail comes from uh, Dan in Milwaukee. Dan writes, what's your favorite Christmas gift or memory you've given and received? Rebecca, this would be non-experiential. Favorite gift you've given or received or memory? I think I can vividly recall being a kid and seeing red, white, and blue Rossignol skis leaning up against the fireplace. And it just blew my mind. There are more than one set. And I knew that one of them was mine with red, white, and blue stripes on the uh, – I mean, it was – it was. It, it, there, were, there were many such memories. But that one, as soon as he wrote that, stood out. Skis leaning against the fireplace, probably melting them and warping them. But uh, I was probably nine years old.
0: Yeah, I think I was about nine years old too. And this is going to sound so like – I don't know if trite is the right word. But I remember when I was a kid, about that age, and it was when – they started, um, wim- they had s- girls and women started using a different basketball than boys, a different size ball. 28.5. 28.5. But you couldn't find them anywhere because who cares about girls' basketball back in the early 1980s? But somehow Santa was able to get his hands on this beautiful Baden. Baden was the brand B A D E N. It was the only one who Is an made girls' there umlaut on the ball. A? Yes. The Only one, or like an accent or something, So they were the only ones who made these girls' balls. And um, coming around the corner because Santa doesn't um didn't wrap the presents when I was a kid, um, so you knew which gifts were from Santa in our house. And um, came around the corner after coming down the stairs, and I couldn't believe that Santa had been able to find a girl's bod and basketball and uh rubber, you know, with the little pebble grain, pebble grain, yeah, um. As
1: if the ball had the same goosebumps that you had.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. It was, um, I'll never forget that because I couldn't believe, couldn't find them in any stores that Santa was able to get that for me.
1: Well, we've got one more, and then we got uh, DGS wrapping things up. And this comes from uh, Tanya from Troy.
0: Hello, Tanya.
1: Rustiva writes, Tanya, your story of the annual gym ball release reminded me of my youth. I grew up in a residential neighborhood in Queens where one side of the block had shared driveways opening up to a full-on circle with garages touching. I did not live on that side of the street, so our side was the same, less the garages. However, my best friend lived on the other side of the street, and his brother was much older than us and taught us, quote, all the sports. But baseball was always a block favorite. Basketball a solid second, as they basically had a full half court in their paved backyard. We used their driveway to learn to pitch and hit with metal bats and tennis balls. The balls would often fly over the garage. We played the exact same game—tennis uh, ball baseball—but mm-hmm. with, the, with the garage door as the backstop. Mm-hmm. And if you hit it onto the roof of Carl Johnson's house across the street, that was a home run. And not once did the Johnsons complain.
0: Was that the kid? Never. Was it a kid, Carl Johnson? Carl Johnson adult?
1: was was a buddy of ours, but okay. but we never asked his parents' permission if we could.
0: If we could was he at least playing with you? No. <laughs> Not usually. And they didn't care if you hit the ball in their roof.
1: Uh, Maybe they did care. They just never said anything, and okay. God bless them. That is what parenting is, at least in the 70s. You didn't care about the state of your garage door or even the side of right. your house. Right. Um, after several years of losing balls to the next block over, their parents installed a net to catch all the balls that hit between the garages and their yard. Now, that this is Tanya talking. Yes. Um, brilliant. Uh, each spring that's kind of what we've done with viewer mail. We've installed a net to catch all of the all of the uh
0: the stuff that yeah, we need to stuff, sneak. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Each spring the older brother and their dad was skimmy up skimmy up the garage. Shimmy? I think shimmy, but it's spelled skimmy. I like that word, skimmy. Mm-hmm. Kind of between skinny and shimmy. Uh skimmy up the garage and relinquish all the balls from the net and we'd be ready for another season. It's like it's like deadliest catch where they haul in the nets from the from the Bering Sea, mm-hmm. and see what you got in there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. Me too.
1: I, 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 it makes me want to get on our roof and 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 in the spirit of snaking the drain, clear out the gutters, and throw down the uh, throw down the tennis balls. Of course, we all remember the stuck balls in the rafters of our gyms. But thanks for jogging that memory. Happy holidays, Tanya from Troy. Tanya, thank you for that uh, awesome memory. I, um, I I I would love it. I mean, in the age of drones, it would be easy just to fly over the rooftops, the various neighborhoods, and schools, see various yeah, elementary schools. I think I've told the story before, but uh, Franz Lids, our friend, uh, writing the obituary of the guy who invented the frisbee. Um, I remember he, he the, the guy, had said that uh, when he died, he, while well, he was alive, he said that when he died, he he wanted to be uh, uh, his ashes thrown on the roof of. Uh, of you know, of a nearby house, which is just perfect, because that's where every frisbee right. gets marooned. Finally, this wouldn't be viewer mail. It certainly wouldn't be a viewer mail extravaganza without DGS.
0: Hello, DGS.: Hello, DGS Dr. once again,
1: uh, uncannily, uh, week after week, in the salt mines of viewer mail, getting it done. Always. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Siegel, after dinner tonight I mentioned to Mrs. DGS that I had to go to Target to get some more gift cards for the staff at a clinic where I work tomorrow as I won't be there again until after Christmas. She made, I mean, think about this. He's not just delivering the babies, he's delivering the gift cards to the of course staff. he is. She made the remarkable observation that Christmas comes every December 25th and perhaps I could factor that date into my planning in the future. <laughs> I'm still processing her advice, but I digress. <laughs> isn't it incredible though rebecca i mean here we are scrambling on the 22nd what are we gonna get what you got i mean it's 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 craziness
0: when when we had a package delivered today and our, our our local ups guy is amazing always leaves dog bones for our dogs when he delivers packages even if they're not outside and i came inside and said we got to get gift cards for the mailman, for yes, the UPS, yes, for yes. like all these people. It's why haven't I done that already?
1: The mailman, well, UPS, and DGS both delivering in a crisis, right?
0: Delivering daily, yes. Because
1: the hour is late, writes Dr. Siegel, and there has been a busy weekend with work. I hope that you will not mind a much shorter note. In fact, it might be considered by many to be the fulfillment of one of their holiday wishes. <laughs> to wit. One Rebecca, the Atlanta Uber or Lyft driver who can pick out Delta Airlines customers by their clothing, home locations, amount of luggage, etc., is probably quite accurate. Although I've not ridden with him to my knowledge, alas, since Southwest serves both cities in which the children live, sometimes Mrs. DGS does uh, goes against protocol and arranges trips on Southwest instead of Delta, as she is the one who makes the plans and watches the budget. Thus, while the seagulls may hope to look like Delta flyers, well, we can go both ways. <laughs> Two, Steve, I am fantastically impressed with your ability to salvage hoodie strings even in the face of a filter replacement jab by Golic Jr. That did sting a little bit, yes. Uh, Three, attached, please find two pictures and kindly view them. One is of a statue outside of the now-famous huge gas station and store in Middle Georgia where ESPN plays on the TVs in the very large, clean men's room. Based on the statue, I'm pretty certain for whom they're rooting in the college football playoffs. And it is a a statue of uh, Ugga... in a a jacket and tie, the Georgia Bulldog, Mm -hmm. right? Probably your friend uh, Andy Landers has that same statue in his study. He certainly has
0: that same outfit. He definitely
1: has the same outfit, yes. I I know that uh, sometimes pet owners and and pets and their owners come to resemble one another. Do you think that uh, veteran coaches and their mascots may come to resemble one another? Coach Landers morphing into a Bulldog? I miss
0: Coach Landers. Coach Landers uh, chose to not return... To the ESPN studios this year, I, I think in part because,
1: because he's has this enormously contented life on a farm, Andyland, and, and an active right?
0: farm. Yes, but I, I also think it's he had had enough of me. But I think of it more
1: members. broadly as as enough of basketball. I mean, I've had enough of yeah, basketball.
0: Yeah,
1: I've had more than enough of basketball. Yeah, and it's only December. I know you have. The second picture, alas, is of a single Rolo found in a dish in the surgery lounge this weekend amidst other candies. It reminded me how resourceful Rebecca was last Halloween when Steve wasn't able to mind-read and thus realized that Rebecca had wanted him to go to CVS on the double for more candy.
0: He didn't need to be able oh, to mind-read, Dr. He found a,
1: at least he found a single Rolo in the surgery, surgery lounge and lounge. not in surgery because the, the Seinfeld of episode, course. of course, the junior mint. Right. Falling in surgery.
0: Yes, yes, of course.
1: That could happen with a single Rolo. Four... And I, and I have no confidence in Dr. Siegel's enumeration, though I think he has it accurate this time. He mm-hmm. often double numbers, sometimes he skips a number. Just for fun. Four, since you've called me a double O-B-G-Y-N, it came to mind that I have inadvertently not mentioned the last Daniel Craig Bond movie. It was different from his other Bond movies, and it was a bit hard for me to follow the plot. Well, that's true of all Bond movies, is it not? Of course, my daughter and her husband both connected the dots from the prior movie, Spectre. Thus, I have been a sport for four dollars. Thus, I have been a sport for four dollars and just enjoyed Spectre again, and plan to watch No Time to Die a second time. So we had the completion, the double completionist Rebecca in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Doctor Siegel. I wonder if he's a double completionist for the for the Bond ouvre, which gives me a chance to say a name French word ouvre,
0: which you have to during a DGS, DGS segment. email, yeah.
1: Um, I would like to I aspire to be that. I mean, I haven't even seen all the Bond movies. There's 400 of them now, but I, I love especially the early Bond, but I, I should work my way. That'll be my next binge watch. Okay. And it, when I completed The Rockford Files season 3.
0: How many seasons are there of The Rockford I six, Files? I think
1: six, I think. So I, I haven't when watched one two. You completed
0: and two. season 3, you're going to I haven't watched one. Go back watch the James Bond movies, or you're going to complete all of the seasons of The Rock. I don't know. Rockford
1: Maybe I'll finals. become a rock for double completion, but but I've only watched four episodes of season three, so it's hard for me to make that claim. Hopefully, being much more informed and prepared properly, I can report on it more fully next year. Writes Doctor Siegel. He could be our Bond correspondent, F1. You know, uh, urbane, uh, He's European, man sophisticated, many interests. Yeah, uh, 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 European sort of uh, dudes. In fast cars. That's sort of his his uh, his beat. Oh, yeah, you're right. As always, since I get Thanksgiving off, I'll be delivering away over Christmas. Uh, I'll be delivering away over Christmas. More importantly, thank you, our hosts, for taking the time and trouble to entertain us for an hour a week with lighthearted, good-natured banter that is so reminiscent of all of our lives. It, it, Dr. Siegel, I would go so far as to call that banter repartee.
0: Your second That's French
1: a third rule. eye roll from Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, she fulfills her average. Lastly, writes Doctor Siegel to the Russian family correspondent, to the Russian family, comma correspondents, viewers Denny as well as Tom, Dick, Hari, and especially Holly Rowe. Best wishes for a wonderful holiday season and New Year. All the best, Gary with two R's, DGS. Thank you as always. You've uh, done incredible work on our behalf uh, for for uh, no pay and and even less prestige, and we we appreciate it.
0: To all of our viewers, thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. We wish you the merriest Christmas, the most wonderful holiday, a terrific new year. Stay safe, stay healthy.
1: And and before Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out, yeah. I'm going to play in Tom, Dick, and Harry because, I mean, this is not good. It's uh, disappointing. Um, but what better way to end Uh, 2022 with a with an anti-climax and i'm going to play uh, my piano version uh, of a christmas song that i've been working on um i hope you recognize it from the peanuts christmas special and it's uh, really the best i can do on short notice and it's
0: better than not good or disappointing it's it's our gift to our listeners
1: it's our gift to our listeners and uh and after i play them in tom dick and harry will play Play us us out. out
2: We all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet Live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts their sanity to a daily test us and ambiguous. what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.